Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Cormac O'Neill, CEO of Webio. What our customers have seen and something we've seen ourselves from, from having experience in the industry is that traditional methods of how these companies communicate are just not effective anymore, right? And to solve a problem, you must be able to have a conversation. Communication is, you know, fundamentally key here to solving financial difficulties, right? So, you know, historically, debt collection agencies or collections departments would use the telephone to try and contact their customers. And unfortunately, as an engagement tool, the engagement rates have been declining on telephone over the last number of years because it's stressful talking about money. Sometimes asynchronous conversations are better than real-time conversations, right? Sometimes people need that little bit of breathing space between their answers. This is Cormac. He's a business leader with extensive hands-on experience of multiple aspects of growing profitable businesses. He led my travel guide from startup to 50 million euro turnover in the period of 99 to 2011. He then moved to Voice Sage to establish them as the UK's leading omnichannel customer contact provider. He loves to inspire and motivate people and teams, challenging, supporting and mentoring them to reach higher than they thought possible. Beyond that, he's passionate about retail and sales, including effective customer communications, the customer journey and the sales process. He understands the impact that financial well-being can have on a person's mental health. As an entrepreneur, he had his fair share of financial challenges. That inspired him, Paul Sweeney and Mark Opperman to co-found Webio in 2016. Webio is on a mission to make those difficult conversations about money that a little bit easier for everybody concerned. And that inspired me. And hence I invited Cormac to my podcast. We explore what's broken in the credit collection space and why traditional methods just drop in effectiveness. We discuss how taking a different perspective on the problem can fix this and what the critical ingredients are to stand out and deliver remarkable impact for both your customers and their customers. Last but not least, we discuss how to stay resilient and come out stronger from a crisis situation and why success starts by making tough decisions to say goodbye to groups of customers. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, 
how thinking in micro steps can help your customers make massive steps forward in progress as a result of changing behavior. Secondly, why the problem you're solving often isn't so much about improving what your customers are doing, but how they feel doing so, to relieve stress, anxiety, and frustrations. Thirdly, why asynchronous conversations often result in better data quality, engagement, and outcomes than real-time conversations, especially if it's about stressful topics. And fourthly, why you shouldn't second-guess your customers. Get your customers into their hands as early as possible and let them tell you, even if you think you're far from ready. Hi, Cormac. Hey, Welcome John. to our uh, podcast. Excellent. Listen, thanks very much for inviting me on your podcast. Really delighted to be here. Thanks very much. Looking yeah, I mean, I spoke it. to one of your colleagues, Paul, and I met him through Lunch Club, which is a platform yeah. that I've come to like over 2020, and I can recommend it to everybody to start using that. And he was, he was, yeah, I mean, he's one of your founders, as I believe. And yeah. what I heard from him, in, well, inspired me. That's how we got in, engaged at the end. And that's where, the, yeah, we got to know each other a little bit better. Uh-huh. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to this uh, call and about what Webio, your company, is all about. But before we start, if you have to describe yourself in two or three words, characterize yourself as a leader or as a, as a person, what would it be? Wow, what a great question to start out with. All right, so in two or three words, curiosity is certainly one. Persistent would be another. And I'll give you a third, absolutely relentless would be the third one. So it's a very difficult thing to describe yourself. I always find that. I think it's much easier for other people to describe you because sometimes it can be very hard you know, you have this vision of yourself that you think this is how you are. And sometimes the vision of yourself doesn't match up to what other people, how other people would view you, right? So I've had people, you know, give that type of feedback in, in terms of, you know, I'm very, very curious. And we spoke about this was it earlier this week around that whole concept of curiosity. And it's, it's huge to me. I think as a founder and as an entrepreneur, you're always asking yourself, what if? What if I do this? Yeah. What if I do that? What's the potential here? And I'm constantly doing that. Yeah. So much so that I think I annoy my team and, and even my family, never mind my team. But I just think it's curiosity is just so important when you're yeah. an entrepreneur and starting a business. Yeah, well, not even entrepreneur. I think it's for everybody very important because it brings you things that you cannot even expect. You know, you open, you open well, red holes that, that bring you into areas yeah. that can be your next big thing at the end. So that's yeah. why I would recommend everybody to be curious. Or, and if you're not, start practicing. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's good advice. Good advice. Yeah. So you run Webio from yeah. Ireland. Clearly, you can clearly hear that. I see that it started in August 2016. So it's about four years, four and a half years old now. What was the yeah. big idea behind starting the company? All right. So, so let me give you the reason, the passion or the mission as to why we started Webio. I'm a firm believer in that if the reason you get out of bed every morning to work on a project isn't strong enough, you know, you need to change the reason you get out of bed, right? So I need to tell you a little bit of story to give you a background to why we set up Webio, right? So as we said earlier, like I've been an entrepreneur pretty much for most of my life since, since I stopped my education, which you never actually do. But since I stopped my formal education, shall we call it, I started up my own company, you know, in my early 20s. It was an online travel company, one of the first online travel companies based out of Ireland. And it was a ball. It was a roller coaster of a ride, right? We ran it, myself and my partner at the time, we ran it for, oh, 
13 years in total. And, you know, we took off like a rocket ship at the time. It was around the late 90s, 1999. But it was a very volatile period for the travel and tourism, right? So we hit a lot of rocks, right? We grew, we grew like a bat out of hell, but we hit a number of rocks along the way. And the worst one was the, kind of like the recession of 2008. We had just taken on funding. We just acquired two separate companies, one in the US and, and one in the UK. And the whole plan was built around getting follow-on funding, which we were working on. Absolutely was just pulled from under us once the downturn yeah. hit. And to cut a long story short, my company, we had to end up selling it for a dollar, right? For next to nothing. But it left me personally financially broke. I plowed a lot into it. And never mind your mental real estate into the project, but I plowed a lot of my own personal financial wealth, pretty much all of it. Right. So as a result of that, I ended up pretty much broke, to be honest, on, you know. And I had a number of creditors, you know, chasing me, you know, looking to settle various accounts and whatnot. And I found that to be a tremendously stressful period, right? And a very stressful process. I got to the end of it, thankfully, and I got to the far side of it and all the rest. But it always stuck with me that the power when it comes to credit collections and payments and people who are in financial difficulty is always with the person that is owed the money or the enterprise or the debt collection agency. And they're the ones who call the shots. They decide when to contact you, how to talk to you, the manner in which to speak to you. It's always on their terms. That was always in the back of my mind. And towards the middle end of 2015, I was in my car with my wife and three kids, right? All under the age of, oh God, four or five at the time. And we were traveling in the car, two hour journey. It was my wife's car. I was driving. She was in the passenger seat. She noticed that her car insurance was uh, about to expire. So she'd done her homework. She got a quote from her existing insurer. She said, look, I'm just going to call these guys up, renew my insurance, take about five minutes, and then we can get back to play at I Spy with the kids in the car, and we'll have a great trip. I kid you not, it took her 45 minutes on the phone to renew her insurance, all wow. right? She spoke to three separate individuals, and I'll never forget what she said when she got off the phone. She says, Cormac, there has to be a better way of doing this, right? And I said, you know what, Claire, as always, you're right, right? So that kind of planted the seed in my head that customer engagement has to change, right? With this revolution of messaging apps that were just starting to get real traction that were coming out there. So Paul, as you mentioned, I worked with Paul at the time and Paul and I are like, you know, good buddies, good friends and, you know, both in business and outside. So we kind of got together and I said, you know, we said, listen, we got to do something about this. You know, my experience of financial difficulties and the, what we were seeing in the marketplace in terms of the shift in consumer behavior about how we talk to each other, and I use the word talk loosely here, how we communicate with each other was completely shifting. Right? So that's why we set about setting up Webio with a view to, as we say, trying to make those difficult conversations about money that little bit easier. You know, like, so if the conversation really matters to an enterprise or a customer, use Webio. You know, that's what we would say. That's the reason, that's the passion as to why we do what we do. And we're very much on a journey, right? We want to yeah. like totally reimagine this credit and collections and payment ecosystem. It has to be rebalanced. You know, you've got so, you got different players in here. You've got 
the debt collection agencies and the, the enterprises that are owed the money, and they need to get their, their money collected, right? You've got the end, the end consumer, the person who's in debt, who needs to be treated with respect, right? Absolutely yeah. needs to be treated with respect. And then you've got kind of like this new dynamic that's come in recently is the, the regulatory in the UK, it's the FCA that regulate this whole industry. So, you know, we just feel that there's a rebalance needed in the ecosystem. And we're trying to do our little bit around changing how conversations are conducted between the different players in the ecosystem. What a story. And I can, I can vividly feel it and see it and experience part of it myself as well. And I, I know exactly what you mean. So that's indeed a very good reason to get out of your bed to solve that problem. Absolutely. So, so what do you see when people start to adopt this? What is the opportunity when you get this right and, and the before and after with customers? Yeah, so we see this as very much a journey here, right? So if I talk you through, and I'm very conscious of the fact that the people who pay me, right, the people who, who buy Webio's platform, buy our product, are the enterprises, right? They are the debt collection agencies, they are the departments within an enterprise that needs to have the conversation. While we very much want to champion the consumer, the customer who's in debt, we have to recognize that, right? So what we say to our customers when we engage with them is, look, there's a better way for you guys to have your conversations to engage with your customers. So I'm going to give you just a small example here. One of our customers, believe it or not, they're a great customer, very forward thinking. But they still had agents call out to customers' doorsteps to talk to them about their financial problems, to talk to them about the money they owe, right? So there's a physical yeah. person arriving at your doorstep. That's an unbelievably stressful position to be in. It's an embarrassing position to be in. But yeah. it's not just stressful for the person who owes the money. It's, it's a difficult job for somebody to do. So we sure. said to them, hey, guys, look, you know what? why don't you try and switch that over to a digital conversation over a messaging app of the customer's preference, you know, whether it's SMS, which is still one of the biggest ones, or whether it's WhatsApp or Messenger. And so we try to show them better ways of having those conversations with your customer, right? Now, it's very interesting here to watch because some of our customers, let's call them old-fashioned, they're old school, they very much would be of the mindset, you know what, the big the big red ink on the letter still works type of an attitude. And slowly but surely, we have been educating our customers that, you know what, if you take this different approach, we think you'll get a better outcome. And it's kind of like we were on a call previously and one of your con contributors mentioned micro steps. And it really, it really yeah. resonated with me. And micro steps is actually what we do with our customers. We try to take them on a journey through micro steps. We don't go in and say, guys, we're going to revolutionize your customer engagement straight off the bat because you're not, right? So we don't, we don't do that. We say, look, how about we take this portion of your business, this portion of your conversations, and we change them. And then we prove that that works. And then you know what? We can move on to the next portion. So yeah. it's kind of, it's very much taking our customers on this journey. Now, if I look ultimately time to where we'd like to go. If I look at, you know, you, you mentioned kind of in terms of the vision for where this is going to go, right? So I have this vision in my head here where in the future, hopefully not the too distant future here, anybody that's in financial difficulty or the enterprise that they're in financial difficulty with will ask one single question. They will ask each other, are you on Webio? Okay, so if you can picture this, the consumer who ends up being in debt, says to the person who are in debt, are you on Webio? And they'll go, ah, you know what? Actually, we are. 
And the enterprise will say to the consumer, are you on Webio? Because if they're both on Webio, they will know that they will get the best outcome for both of them in this particular conversation. So, so <laughs> this is... This is the this is the I have a long way to go here, right? I have, to, I have a long way to go to achieve this, but ultimately that's what we want to achieve here. It's yeah. Both of them ask the same question because both sides of the coin, both sides of the equation here, know that being on Webio will result in the optimum outcome for their conversations. So hopefully, we hopefully, get even not turn the other way around that people start to like do everything possible to have a couple of financial issues to be on Webio. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't recommend that but <laughs> yeah. No, I mean of course when that happens, of course, the word is out for you and yeah. it's proven to be really working. So you're moving a face to face conversation at the door, which is indeed very inconvenient. Yeah. To a digital one. So what is the magic that, that that happens there? Is that maybe it's it's less confrontational? Is it more empathy involved that you get on the same wavelength? Yeah. What is the magic there? Yeah, no, there's a mixture of all of the above. I think what our customers have seen and something we, we've seen ourselves from, from having experience in the industry is that traditional methods of how these companies communicate are just not effective anymore, right? And to solve a problem, you must be able to have a conversation. Communication is, you know, fundamentally key here to solving financial difficulties, right? So, you know, historically, debt collection agencies or collections departments would use the telephone to try and contact their customers. And unfortunately, as an engagement tool, the engagement rates have been declining on telephone over the last number of years because it's stressful talking about money, right? It really is stressful. And people will go to extraordinary lengths to avoid talking about it. I've done it myself. You know, once you see that no caller ID come up on your phone, hell, you're in answering it, man. You know, you're you're not going to answer it. So what we've kind said to our customers is look you know your customer has moved to a digital climate a digital environment how about you engage with them to start conversations across these messaging apps and sometimes asynchronous conversations are better than real-time conversations right sometimes people need that little bit of breathing space between their answers right so i mean you know i know what it's like being on a phone and being asked a whole pile of questions about your financial situation, which has to happen if you're restructuring debt, right? Companies are obliged to do this. And, you know, as sure as eggs are eggs, you will exaggerate your answers if you're in a live conversation. You will exaggerate. It's just human nature. Whereby, if you're given time to think about these questions and answer them in a textual manner back and forth, the quality of the data improves, you're not under stress. You've time to think about the answer and you don't have a, a live person on the other end waiting. So we very much have seen that. And this is, well, this is the way we feel it's going. This has been driven by customers telling us the challenges and the pain points they face. You know, since we started, you mentioned that we set up the company in, in 2016, like, we spent an entire year just developing the product. Nothing else but ones and zeros, right? Just, you know, whacking them out and seeing what worked and seeing what didn't. And it's over the last number of years that we've started bringing on customers and onboarding customers that we've learned more and more about their pain points, about the problems they have. And we've been able to bring in features and enhancements to our product to help that, you know, which is great, you know, really, yeah. really good. So do they then see that the process, that there's, first of all, more people willing to pay or does it accelerate the process so the first thing you're doing is you're increasing the engagement rate 
right? So once you've got engagement, then you've got opportunity to solve the problem. And what we would see with our customers and what we would say to our customers is that once you get a conversation going, then try to understand the, because all conversations are textual, right? So they're all text-based. Webio is completely text-based. Yeah. We don't do voice on our platform, although we have the capability to do voice over, over Alexa and, and Google Home and the like. It's just the world isn't ready for that just yet, right? But from a debt collection point of view, it's fine to ask Alexa what time it is. And she'd probably pop up in the background here. But, you know, you're not prepared to have your difficult conversations about money there yet, right? So, you know, we would then say once you get them into that conversation, you know, we analyze the data within those conversations, the data being the words that people are using. And by doing that, you can identify if a customer is in a particular state of mind, or you can identify the probability that a customer is in a particular state of mind, right? So, yeah. and this is where, while I, I absolutely hate the term secret sauce, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> so in terms of our secret sauce, we're analyzing the data within conversations to prompt the, the agent or the conversational bot how to respond to them. So yeah. just let me give you a really brief example here. You may be having a, a conversation with an individual who is in financial or in mental difficulty. They may have addiction problems. You know, they may have gambling problems, you know, whatever the problem may be, right? So it's better that you have trained professionals to deal with those individuals than an automated conversation or indeed an agent in a contact center. What you find is a lot of the customers we have will have specialized people who are trained to deal with people with these problems. So our platform will recognize that up front or it will give the probability, right? You're never 100% certain, right? But it will flag to either a bot or an agent that, hang on a second, this individual may be having some, you know, mental difficulties here. How about we suggest transferring them to, to, to a different department, right? And that, that really works. And that yeah. really resonates with, with our customers because they're under pressure too to deal with their customers in a respectful manner, right? So by being able to identify them in this real time and transfer them over, is hugely beneficial for them. Exactly. Uh, and that's only that's one example. There are lots of examples around how we're trying to analyze data to help help both sides of the conversation, you know. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can see where that, where that goes. And of course, you, your system gets smarter and smarter because you yes. analyze data across all your customers and you provide the well, the the learning from there back into the next call. And that's yeah. uh, that's super powerful. Do you know what's on that? Actually, sorry, Tom, just what's interesting that you mentioned that when we, you know, it's, it's just how the journey goes when you're developing a product. When we first launched and we first started working on the machine learning side of things, our big vision was that we could com combine all this data from all our customers, right? Combine it all into, into one big brain and have that one big brain analyze the data across multiple customers. But as we started to get more and more customers on board, what we learned was that there are little tweaks in each company that we may deal with. There are little, you know, nuances that one customer company may have from another company. So how we've evolved is we've kind of, we've created what we would call like buckets for a customer. So a customer will have its own brain that's specifically tailored for their little nuances. Okay. Yeah. So We've gone from this kind of thinking that we're going to just put all this data through one big powerful algorithm and it'll work brilliantly to go and hang on a minute now. You have to be you have to be more subtle than that. 
you got to do this. You got to train your models on a customer by customer basis. Oh, like, you know, there will be similarities for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, to get optimum outcomes, we learned that not, we're going to have to take a little different approach here. Exactly. And, and, and that's, you know, seems to be working for us. So, yeah, it's the language of the industry, of course. It's the, the vocabulary. It's the hitting the right nerve around, well, right. around different yeah. angles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that whole process of developing over the last four years, like what has been a decision that appeared to be super important to get where you are right now? You know what? I can answer this with three words. Focus, focus, and focus, right? When we launched WebEO first, it's the most important decision <laughs> we made, right, was to just ultra-focus. When we launched WebEO first, while the passion was around that area, spoke around credit collections and somehow solving that and better customer engagement, when we launched the first in 2017, chatbots was just the new thing. If you didn't have a chatbot, you were nowhere, right? You just you just had to have a chatbot. Right? Yeah, true. So we got so much interest from we had interest from hotels, from the travel industry, from the hair salons to you know large companies. We got very excited, right? We got Jesus, this excuse my language, this could work, this could work everywhere, right? And we lost focus. Right. We went off chasing the rainbow left, right and center, which at the time we felt that, oh, God, we're going to we're just going to rule the world here with all of this. And then reality set in. And it's like, well, hang on a second. A lot of these people who want to use a product financially is just not going to work out. You know, this just people just wanted to pay, you know, twenty nine dollars a month for, you know, a chatbot. We're like, this just this is just not going to work out here at all at all. Right. So eventually, because we had one or two big customers in the credit and collection space that were really significant for us, generating significant revenues. And then we had a bunch of customers that were generating very, very little. So we just made a really tough decision. And Paul, my co-founder, has a really, a really great saying in that you don't have a strategy until you're saying no to customers. If you're not turning down people who come looking to use your product, you don't have a strategy. So we made a decision in kind of like 20, I think it was 28, the start of 2018, around that time, to just solely go down the road of credit collections and payments. As a direct result of that, we actually worked off customers off our platform. You know, there was, I would think there was at least 10 customers. We kind of said, look, you know, we're just not going down that route. This is the way we're going. Because the dev team were getting pulled in different directions as well. Sure. That is the single most important decision that we made. Let me make a small interruption here. Gormick just made a critical remark about a defining moment in their business. The choice to go an inch wide and 30 inch deep. They decided to focus on one very specific use case rather than build a generic chatbot platform that could be used for numerous use cases. It's a trait remarkable software companies master. They realize they can't please everyone. With that realization, they can hone in on a much more meaningful problem, create something that's highly valuable and desirable, and create momentum on the back of that. You can master these traits as well, and I got two options for you to start. First, read or listen to my book, The Remarkable Effect. You can find that on amazon.com. Secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of like-minded people, tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com and see the videos where many of your peers share the experiences with our tribe and what they've come to value most. Back to the interview. 
you know, was to stay true to the North Star that we originally set out to. And we got a little bit distracted with the hype that was out there. And there was a lot of hype around the area of chatbot technology and where, where AI was sure. at the time. So, yeah, that's the if there's any bit of advice I could give, it's just keep that focus. If you want to, you know, expand as you nail that area you're focusing in, hey, go for it. Completely agree with that. And it's, it's, it goes all, all the way back to like falling in love with the problem rather than the product. Yeah. And yeah, understanding uh, who you're for and who you're not for, because you're, you're not in the, in the chatbot business, you're in the, in the business of helping people collect money in an easier way. And a chatbot yeah. happens to be the right way to do it right now. A hundred percent. Chatbots, it's, it's simply a tool that people can use to get to the end goal here. Yeah, and true. you know, we're very much about that when we talk to our customers, You know, because you're not in the area of, of credit and collections, difficult conversations about money, you're not going to remove the human touch anytime soon. You just aren't because it's too complicated. You're dealing with too much emotion. So you are. So you're still going to need that element. You're going to need to blend the latest technology, whether it's chatbots or whether it's machine learning with people. You know, and we're very much big on that. I mean, all of our customers will have some form of a contact center. Some of them have pretty large ones. Others are small, but they always have that human element. And we will, we will never go into a customer and say, we're going to replace your agents with this super duper technology. We're not. We're going to say we're going to augment your agents with this super duper technology, ultimately to give a better impact for your metrics. And also a huge thing with, in this area is positive brand experience around the customer and their experience of dealing with you. So we're big on that as well in terms of getting that impact across to our customers. Super important. Yeah. So you created the products and you learned along the way like where, where mm-hmm. to focus, not to focus. What did you learn in, in selling this product and bringing it to market? Was it hard to start selling because it, at that time it was possibly quite, quite early? Yeah, yeah, it was. So one of the key things we did straight off the bat, one of the key things while we were developing the product while it was in that kind of like you know nine to 12 months of development we engaged with a customer straight off the bat even though we didn't have a we didn't have a product we engaged with a customer that we knew from a previous life pretty large customer and we said look this is the journey we want to go on this is the problem we want to solve would you guys mind helping us as we build it out key that was really important for us because we had a customer ready to go to trial our product once we had it to the point where it was, yeah, let's call it the minimum viable product. So really, really key. They loved it. And it wasn't perfect out of the box, right? There was lots of bugs and, and glitches, but they stuck with us. They knew what we were trying to achieve. They knew the impact it could potentially have when we were successful. So they, they hung in there. They've since become not only our longest, but our largest customer. They've grown phenomenally over the the last three, four years we've been with them. But more importantly was we could use that customer, well-known in the UK, well-known customer in the industry. We could use them as a reference when we went out and spoke to other customers. That was the single most important thing we did in sure. terms of building our building out our, our customer base. I know it's not easy. You can't, everybody can't do that straight off the bat. You know, I, I, I'm aware of that. We were fortunate in that we had a relationship that at least got us in the door to start the conversation day one. So yeah, that was Very so important. important. Yeah, so important. 
I mean, along that journey, and of course, having a reference customer in the first place, mm. but then you get from customer one to two, to t- from two to five, from five to 10. At some point in that journey, see a breakthrough moment and, and what caused <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> we did. Well, I'm laughing because we saw a breakthrough moment in January 2020. We were growing 30%. January and February, we were growing 30% month on month. Right. Seemingly in this in the SaaS software industry, growing 30% month on month is this key magical figure you got you gotta get to, right? True. So we were actually experiencing it and we were living it. We're going, I was February of last year, I was just really we were fired up. We were this is happening, this is taking off. You know, we we put in a lot of hard work to get it to where it was. We built up a, a good pipeline. And you know, just to, to kind of go back a little bit. We were educating customers for a period of time because it's relatively new technology. So there's a period of time you go through that's educational. You know, people are looking at it, thinking, okay, okay, okay. You know, they were finding out more and more about it, what it could do, what it couldn't do in general, not just not just Webio, but you know, across sure. the across the board. And then we started to see towards the end of 2019 into 2020, we started seeing people coming back and going, we're ready. We're ready. We're going to make, we're ready to make a decision. We're ready to pilot. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. So as you can probably imagine, that all came to a huge halt. <laughs> when two months later. <laughs> two months later, it was like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. Two months later, boom, start like, because because the vast majority of our customers are, are in the UK. I'll never yeah. forget, I was sitting uh, at home in my living room listening to Boris Johnson, the, the PM, address the nation and tell them that they were going into lockdown mid-March, I think it was, or I can't remember the exact date. The next day, the next morning, boom, our volumes across our platform, the number of conversations dropped by 90%, right? Kid you not. Oh, man, I thought... This is it. We're, we're we're in serious trouble here, because we we get paid by our revenue model is based on the volume of conversations yeah, that you sure. had. Now, that was the bad news. The good news was that that was temporary. So what was the dynamic at play here was that our customers, our existing customers, I think we'd about ten at the time, ten eleven around that ten eleven, they were all caught a little bit unprepared. So they had to go through a transition of, you know, you can imagine if you're a customer with a few hundred people in a contact center, all in these, you know, tightly, you know, they're not, they're not the nicest environments to work in, in terms of workspace. Suddenly they're all working from home. That's a huge logistical challenge to get all these people set up, give them access to the technology, the hardware they, they need. So what happened with us was that our customers were going through a transition period themselves. But once they got that figured out, it took about a week, then things started coming back. It didn't go back up to the levels we were at prior prior to lockdown. One of the dynamics there was that credit collections and payments is obviously about debt. So a lot of governments in the UK asked companies to give people a break. Rightly a so. Break, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there was, you know, three, four, six month holiday payment holidays. That, that was 100% the right move to do. For Webio, that meant less conversations being had, which is fine, right? which is fine. The other thing that happened was, as we spoke earlier, those budgets that people have and to spend, they were all frozen until people figured out what was going to happen. This was just a completely new dynamic here. People weren't sure what was going to happen. So this pipeline we had built up, suddenly it didn't disappear, but it was just put on hold. Now, the good news is we are starting to see that 
re-engage. So we're now back for December just gone. We're back up to pre-COVID levels and the start of this year has been really busy, really busy. So it's looking, the omens are all good yep. for 2021, I think, you know. Yeah, I mean, debts are, will, will go on and possibly yeah. even in a worse situation than before because people also mm. get less, have, have, have less income. So yeah. Yeah, I think unfortunately you're right on that one. You know, I mean, there's a couple of dynamics, things at play here at the moment. The first is there's a, a huge portion of the population, their incomes are being propped up by government sports, right? So, you know, various yeah. different furloughs and whatnot. That can't go on forever. That cannot go on forever. So they're going to get taken away. That's going to put increased pressure on people, yeah, unfortunately. Sure. So, yeah, I think we're looking at a... Very grim 12 to 24 months from a personal yeah. debt point of view. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sadly enough. So, yeah, I mean, I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect. You know about that. Since you have been an entrepreneur all your life, I'd love to hear your take on like, what do you believe are traits that you need to have to build a software business that people talk about? Yeah. So, I think if I talk about traits to be an entrepreneur, I think persistence is, is just absolutely key. You got to have unwavering belief in what you're doing and pure persistence yeah. to get there. Now, I'm making a big assumption here that, you know, your mission is a good one, right? <laughs> you know, look, sometimes you might have to listen to people. You're always looking to listen to people, right? But you need to listen to the right people. You can't let people distract you from your North Star, from your mission, if you truly believe in it. So I think that is, that is absolutely key, fundamental. Yeah. You know, we spoke about curiosity. I think in, by nature, most entrepreneurs are probably curious by nature. They're continuously asking, asking why, you know, and what if and how can and et cetera, et cetera. So, I think you've got to yeah. do that. You know, for me, and again, you, like, you know, you can only give your own personal experience when talking about this, right? For me, what, what was absolutely key for me as a founder was the people that you get on your team. This might sound so cliche but it's so true i mean true. people on your team need to be almost a counterbalance to who you are to a degree they need to be able and they need to be given the space to not so much correct you but question you about where you're going and what you're doing and feel and feel comfortable in doing that question challenge you in in, in the right manner respectfully true. challenge you as, as we say and i think that's true for any business, not just software. You know, I think if I pin this directly into software and SaaS, I think what a lot of people do, which they shouldn't do, is they spend too much time trying to perfect their product without getting it into the hands of users quick. I'm not a developer, right? I'm, an, I'm a qualified accountant, believe it or not. Yeah. You know, my background is in finance, although I spent all CFO. my life in, in it's either it's exactly, but it's always been software, 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 right? So, I think that's a mistake that, that people make. They spend too much time trying to perfect their product instead of just getting it out there. You know, don't try and second guess your customers. Get it into their hands and let them tell you. Even if it's not, even if you personally think that it's the biggest pile of stinking, you know what, you've ever produced, get it into the hand. Let the customer tell you, you know, what they think of it. Yeah, and that's, I do think that's key. I think a lot of time is wasted by trying to second guess and perfect when you just don't yep. need to do one. You know, that can yeah, it's, it's like too much focus on, on, on the product, falling in love with the product. And often you see that customers will react 
to certain things in a way better way than, than you would expect because that's what yeah. brings the value and the other part is just nice to have. Yeah. And ultimately, like you said it yourself, it's not the product, right? It's the other P. It's the problem, right? It's the problem. What is the problem this product is going to solve? And, you know, you've got to find out pretty quickly if it is or isn't going to solve that problem. And, True. you know, I think that's key. That's absolutely key. So on that whole journey about being persistent, and that always triggers me like, okay, to be persistent, you're going to go through hoops and loops, hit brick walls. I think you mentioned that already in a different anecdote, but what has been the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome at some point and how did you do that? What really Jeez, required over- persistence from you? I've overcome so much. So I want to just try and keep it to Webio here. I don't want to go back to previous companies because we've had some great success as well as the challenges that we spoke about earlier. I think when I look at Webio and the challenges we overcame, we had a great investor on our, we have, sorry, a great investor on our board, on our cap table, who's based in the US and super, super investor have stuck with us through thick and thin. But they had their own challenges a couple of years ago when we set up first. They had committed a certain amount to our organization to invest in, in the startup. But they hit their own challenges at a certain point. And as a direct result of that, they had to scale back their investment in WebU. Okay. Mm-hmm. That had pretty serious repercussions for us, right? So much so that our CTO at the time, also a co-founder, left the organization well, be- purely because of the financial stresses and strains that we had and totally respect the decision in terms of you know, his, his own personal journey in life and where he was. But that was a real challenge for us because a lot of people that you know, would have been familiar with Webio and what we were all about and how we were building the product didn't think we'd last you know, a month as a result of losing oh. our, our CTO. But we didn't. We absolutely, and it just goes back to persistence, and it's not just me, it's the entire team at Webio. We really, we really rallied together to get through the difficulty, not just losing a key a key member of the team, but losing the financial support. We didn't lose it; it was just significantly reduced. And I think when I look back now, I think, okay, well, how how did how and why did did we make it through that? Right? It's because the team were a hundred percent committed to what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, the team are bought in to the passion, the mission, what we're about. I think if we didn't have that, you might have seen a different outcome. You know, yeah. and I think that's why. I think the team that was there, that believed, you know what, guys, what we're trying to achieve here is worth digging in and trying to trying to do. And thankfully, yeah, you know, and it's great. We've since added a fantastic, absolutely fantastic CTO. We've increased our team by 50% in the last six months. So, nice. you know, it's come good for the next phase anyway. So we'll see what the next challenge is. Oh well, yeah, exactly. There will be new, the new, the new ones that that you don't see coming, but they will come, be coming. So, out of all the the lessons learned and the bit, the tidbits of wisdom, what would be a to do and a not to do for peers? What advice would you give them? Yeah, you know what? At the risk of repeating myself here to a degree, you know, we spoke about focus. Yeah, you know, and that's, I think that's that is key. Have focus and belief in what you're doing, and start getting a really great team around you as you're building up people who believe in your mission, believe in your passion and they will, they will come take your time, take your time in, in selecting those people. You know, I think some particularly startups hire pretty quickly, put the time and effort in 
to making sure you're getting the right members join your team. And don't be afraid to, if a member isn't the right person for your team, don't be afraid to make that difficult decision in a respectful manner. You know, you don't you always be respectful to people in terms of of that side of it. But put the time into making sure you're, you're adding the right people to your team. So focus, team, key, you know, persistence. Look, I think persistence yeah. is something that most entrepreneurs have, so I don't really have to go on that. What would I say don't do? God, I don't, I don't have anything straight off the bat on that one for you. That's probably because I've got a positive disposition. I can't think of the negative things to do, <laughs> not to do. Don't drink too much extra strength IPA. How about that? <laughs> I can't think of anything straight off the bat on that. No, one. no, there's, there's no problem at all. I mean, often the best things come just straight out. And if they don't, well, don't, don't worry about it. So, so what's next? What's your greatest aspiration and where do you want to take Webio in the next 12, 16 months? Don't yeah, so, so we were fortunate. Yeah, no, no worries. We were fortunate enough to get a small round of funding in 2020 from our existing shareholders and, and one additional one. So we're, we're in a good position as we go into 2021. What we want to do for the year ahead, we want to kind of consolidate our position uh, in terms of where we are in the UK market. It's, it's the market we started out in and obviously build, build out from there. And we've recently brought on our first customer in Italy and in the EU. So we're looking to expand into the EU side of things. From a product point of view, you've got to always be, you've got to be investing in your product and reinventing it all the time. You know, I'm passionate about that. It's not about your customers don't buy you for what you do today. They're going to buy you for what you're going to do for them next year and the year after. So you can, if you take the eye off the ball there, you're going to get left behind because the speed at which you can do a startup, you know, you can, the tools for getting a startup off the ground are just brilliant, right? So I, I'm just going to give you a slight segue here. I remember when I started with the first travel company way back, way back when, the cost of getting a online booking system at the time was a million dollars, right? We were quoted a million dollars for online, million dollars is what, what it was going to cost you. You can get the same thing today for $9.99 a month on a subscription, just... The possibilities for startups today are just sure. phenomenal. Now, that brings added competition, right? But the point there is always look at your product and don't look at where it's at today. Look at where you, the ball is going to be. I think it was a what was that hockey player that said, I'm always, gonna, I'm always looking to where to go to where, where the puck is going. going to go. Gretzky, isn't it? Yeah. Gretzky, um, yeah exactly. So that's what you And so in terms of the reason I bring that, that's where we're, we're, we're investing in our product to the next generation. And Paul... Paul's co-founder and our, our chief product guy, and he's got that. He's got some really great ideas. I can't tell you about them right now. <laughs> so keep an eye uh, on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so that's that's it for for twenty 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 one. We'll see we'll see how that goes. Exactly. Well, good luck with that. But where can people go to find out more about Webio and to connect with you to say hi? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to www.webio.com. So W-E-B-I-O.com. And somewhere in there, you will see my picture and my LinkedIn. So feel free to click on that and connect to me on LinkedIn. Definitely always love to meet new people. Always love to have a chat. That's how we met across the lunch thing, which for me has been great. You know, there's only so long you can talk to your children and your your partner, you know, you got to start talking to other people after a while, like, you know. <laughs> exactly. So well, that's, thank you that's very when much. you can learn more all about us. Yeah. Super. Well, no, listen, thank you. I really enjoyed it, Tom. This has been fantastic. I really enjoyed it as well. I learned a great number of things. I like your style. I like your, well, the way you look at driving the company and the persistence and 
yeah, being relentless about it. So keep up that good work and yeah, magic will come. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks very much. And this ends my conversation with Cormac. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Cormac O'Neill, CEO of Webio. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.